Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Julie Petroncelli St. John, who is the Vice President of Marketing at Petroncelli Winery. She is also featured in Wine Country Women Heritage Families. Julie, thank you so much for being with me today. You're welcome. It's wonderful to be here talking to you. This is going to be so much fun. Your family is so rich in history here in Sonoma County, and I can't wait to learn all about it. Ah, well, I can't wait to share our stories. <laughs> Your family actually started in making or growing grapes in 1927. Yes. Oh my gosh. And then later started making wine in the 40s. Right. My grandparents bought a piece of property here. Giovanni and Julia came here in 1927 in the middle of Prohibition. Interestingly enough, the winery had already been established in the early 1900s by another Italian family, and uh, that was shuttered at the beginning of Prohibition, but they still sold grapes. And so what my grandparents bought was a shuttered winery, 25 acres of Zinfandel, and a home for their young family. So let's explain to people what shuttered means. Well, because of prohibition, nobody could make wine anymore. And there was a burgeoning industry before 1919. Uh, so the winery was closed because we know they, the former family, no longer could make wine because of prohibition. They could, however, sell the grapes. Each head of household who received a permit from the federal government could make 200 gallons of wine, which helped support some of the vineyards and kept them going even through this particularly dry time of our nation's history. Fast forward... It's third generation now, 70% yeah. women-owned, Yes, which is quite impressive. <laughs> and you have a female winemaker. Yes, we do. So it's like Reese. girl power everywhere. It is. <laughs> Was it inevitable that you would work in the family business? Actually, no. When I was in high school, uh, talking about where I'd go to college and uh, what my interests were, I was encouraged to follow what it was I wanted to do rather than feel beholden to the family business. And I ended up going to uh, Dominican University and majored in English with a writing emphasis, which I was going to go into the editing world. I wanted to go into the publishing and, and become an editor. Oh. About <clears throat> that journey, uh, once I graduated, uh, had intended to go on, and my sister needed some help in the tasting room. She was pregnant with their first child. And uh, I started coming up on the weekends, and a little meeting with my father, Jim, in the warehouse, in the tasting room warehouse, uh, garnered a uh, an invitation to join the family business. And uh, I was actually hankering to get back to Sonoma County. I was living in El Cerrito at the time, over in the East Bay. And, uh, and it just seemed like, you know, driving up every weekend, I was really becoming homesick for uh, this beautiful vineyard view that we have here. Yes, and it's spectacular, for sure. So when you first came on board here, what, what was your responsibility? I got to start in the tasting room, which was the perfect spot, I think, for anybody. Um, I learned about the wines. Even though I had grown up around grapes and wine and things like that, it really took working there. 
I also started to take night classes. So I'd work during the day in the taste room, and then I'd go to the Santa Rosa Junior College and take as many uh, grape and wine classes as I could, um, and started really to learn the back end of the business. And um, from there, I eventually moved into the office, uh, became uh, an administrative assistant, and then branched out. Uh, now I travel to all of my markets across the United States and up into Canada. And that's, it, it just being a brand ambassador right now is, is pretty much describes what I do. Well, let's talk about the wine brand. How much uh, wine do you make? We make 50,000 cases, which puts us at the, what I call the big end of small. We're not, you know, millions of cases. Uh, we're still able to do it all here on the property. I mean, it, it just really works for us. And you pretty much make a lot of Zen and Cav. We do. Predominantly, <laughs> those are, those are our, uh, we farm 115 acres of grapes. So estate-wise, we mostly planted a Zinfandel and Cabernet Sauvignon. And those two are really our flagship grapes. Zinfandel first. Cabernet Sauvignon we planted in the mid-1960s, so we have a piece of property that's been planted over 50 years to that particular variety. Oh, wow. And um, so they comprise the most of what we grow. Okay, but you do have a few small lots and vineyard-specific wines. You have a reserve and a limited production line as well. Right. But your claim to fame are those Zins and that uh, the Cat. Yes. Right? Yes. So what can people expect when they taste a Zen from your estate? Ah, they can expect to taste the Dry Creek Valley stamp. It's berry and spice completely. And just there's, in, in our house style, we bring a nice balance between the two, um, as well as um, some nice, what I would call food-friendly about the wine uh, in that when um, our winemaker Monse wants to pick the grapes she looks for acidity and, and the development rather than waiting for ripeness so there's always that just that perfect edge of just nice balance between the structure and the fruit were you ever tempted to jump ship and go work somewhere else <laughs> or do something else do something you know the family business but also the the wine experience itself has given me so many opportunities that I actually haven't looked elsewhere. I think if I were to encourage people listening to this, if you are interested in the industry, do as many things as possible. Work in a restaurant, work in, you know, work for a wholesaler, work in anything that you can do to help develop that world knowledge of how wine is sold and how it's appreciated mm -hmm. anyway. So that just getting back to that, no, I've, I've stayed put uh, for, th I think this is my 36th year oh, here wow. with the family business. Has there been someone along the way that has inspired you or provided great advice that you can think of and share? You know, um, working with my dad over the years, uh, he's, he's always been the you know, head of sales and marketing, and that's, of course, where I went um, as far as what I do here at the winery. And he actually is more of an example. He doesn't really tell you. Uh, he just lives it. And that, for me, was the advice to ride the waves, to, you know, there are going to be ups, there are going to be downs, there are going to be challenges, and there's going to be opportunities. And all of them are followed by his, not only his, you know, deep knowledge of the industry, having started here himself in the mid-1950s, 
<laughs> and wow. he's still doing it every right. day. Um, but he is an avid reader. He is always up on the latest. And um, so for me, it's not so much advice. It's more uh, followed by example. The next generation is emerging. Yes. Where are they in the scheme of things right, right. now? The fourth generation, uh, we have uh, my nephew Mitch is the full-timer. So he's the one who's working out in the vineyard with his dad, who's our vineyard manager. So Lance Blakely and Mitch Blakely is my nephew. And he has been working here, I think, gosh, going over five years. And uh, he, um, what's great about him is he's got this vast knowledge of the vineyard. He also works in the cellar during um, the harvest. And he's also been out in the market. So he's got kind of, he's getting a very well-rounded education. And um, other for generation members are still kind of making their decisions some are still in college some are still you know some have chosen other avenues so we're you know the third generation is is making sure that this will be a viable alternative for them the future fourth and fifth I've got we, I've got two grandsons, and my sister has two grand. I have three grandsons, so I forgot Galen. And, <laughs> um, and uh, Lisa has two grandsons. And so, you know, we don't know. We want to make sure that the business is, again, going to go forward and continue to be in the family. What do you think you have imparted on the business? What's your stamp? My stamp is I am the historian. And because I am that writer, I have, you know, in fact, at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to write a newsletter once a week. Uh, they're they're wow. called my notes from home. <laughs> it helped put me in touch with people uh, who all over who are on our list. And um, it just has been an amazing experience. But my stamp, I think, truly is keeping the generations before me and then keeping the future ahead of me by kind of helping just to remind and to keep that in everybody's mind. You know, our story is, like you said in the beginning, is a very rich one in history here in our little corner of Dry Creek Valley in Sonoma County. And I want to be that person who just tells our story and continues to do it. And I, ho I hope I'm doing it in many creative ways. But it is fun to be able to just express who we are through my writing, um, but also um, when I'm out on the road, just telling our story in front of different groups of people. Um, it's, it's, again, my honor to be able to just, with my grandparents and my dad, my uncle John was part of the second generation, and uh, he was the winemaking and vineyard growing end of the business between the two brothers. And so now it's just keeping that story alive. Well, and you're documenting. You're just yes. continuously documenting with the fourth and the fifth generation becoming, you know, slowly part of the business now. Yeah. So that's super cool. Top moment of your career so far? Top moment in my career would be being a brand ambassador, being able to reach out to represent my family um, in a way, it's kind of interesting, we're introverts really at heart. And I had to learn how to be an extrovert by profession. So really telling my story, is, that's a top moment. That is something that goes outside of my own box. And uh, it is something though that um, 
if there was nobody else, nobody else would be telling the story. So for me, is very important. Well, you um, take a sip of wine. Yeah, <laughs> a little sip of wine and uh, relax. Right, and then you tell the story. Yes. And, you know, with great pride. You have a, a phenomenal yeah. story. So Yeah, thank um, you. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to be able to share that story. Yeah. And so, like I said before, it's so rich in history, and mm-hmm. it's such a great story. You work with your husband. How does that <laughs> How is that? <laughs> How is that? Wow. Um, we have been doing it for uh, 15 years. Uh, not all, you know, all the time that I've been here. Uh, it actually works out. We have different offices, so there's a start. Uh, during the pandemic, when we worked remotely, uh, he had the upstairs his office up there and I had mine downstairs. So we still worked separately. Separately. (laughs) Uh, But um, the, the beautiful thing that has happened over the years is he's become my collaborator. Um, He's vice president of sales. I'm vice president of marketing. And so we work together to put our message that message together. He's always encouraged me. You were asking me earlier, who's been an inspiration to me. And, and Ed really has, he, he has helped me relax tell my story in my own words, not put, not have words put into my mouth. And he's really helped to develop our messages. And so it, with that collaboration, we are, we, we still are going along at 31 years of marriage. And uh, we have a rule in our house. Once we get home, we just enjoy our time at home. We don't bring a lot of business into it. You know, we it's not like a, a you know five o'clock and we're no longer talking about business, but we've tried not to let it invade the you know off hours we have. So personal it, space, it's yeah. personal space, <laughs> and we get our time and we have a dog, so we walk and you know that kind of thing. That takes great discipline mm-hmm. to be able to separate work from home when you work together. Yes. <laughs> so I applaud you. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's talk more about your personal life. Ah. Where do you live? Do you live nearby? I grew up here and uh, our offices are actually my former home. Okay. Bedroom is my office. Oh, my wow. I shared with one of my sisters. Uh, but we uh, live in Hillsburg. Okay. Yes. And how did you choose Hillsburg? Uh, well, it was a little bit chosen for us uh, in that my um, Aunt Marianne, uh, who didn't um, have children, she um, <clears throat> when she passed, she um, willed the home to my sisters and my cousin. And so my husband and I were looking for another spot. And so we ended up buying them out and moving in okay. um, to that home. And we've been there now for 25 or 26 years. Well, Healdsburg's such a darling town. It and is. it was developed so well. It, yes. The we, town. It's the perfect spot. Uh, it's quiet in our neighborhood. And uh, yes, we're very happy we have it. And, you know, it's a short drive away from work. Mm-hmm. I love so. my commute. I love it a lot, <laughs> except when I have to go to the airport, which I haven't had to. <laughs> right. Well, that's another story. Yes. Unless you're lucky enough to fly out of Santa Rosa. Mm, I do when I can. Yes. Right. Yes. If we stepped inside your home, mm-hmm. what would we see? What's your decorating style, color scheme? Uh, you would step in and find some very, uh, 
I don't do a lot of Chotskys. I, there's not, there's a lot of, there are family photographs all over the place. Uh, and my color scheme is kind of a mustard, kind of green as you walk in. It's a very, it's a very, for me, it's very relaxing. Um, so there's greens, mustard, a little plum in the kitchen, uh, and uh, a lot of dark wood. And a nice little fireplace okay. when you, upon entering. When you're wanting to kick back and relax, where do you go? Just last night is a great example. We um, were out on Lake Sonoma, and it just uh, that's what we try to do uh, during the summer, is about once, once or twice a week, we take a, our meal out there, and uh, like after work, we'll just go out and have dinner. Yesterday, it was lunch on the lake, and you know, it just gets you away from the vineyards. It gets you away from all the cares, and just... I love to drive the boat. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and just going, you know, 30, 35 miles an hour across the lake, it, it's it really just literally leaving all your cares behind. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> Leave all my cares behind. <laughs> what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, well, I, you know, I have my serious radio and I listen to the 80s because, uh, you know, and when I was great, when I was young, uh, I followed Queen, uh, one of my favorite, absolute favorite bands of all time. Freddie Mercury will uh, live forever in my memory. I got to go see them three times when they were, you know, around. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but I kind of, I, I listen to country. I listen to 80s. I pretty much... I can't think of something I don't enjoy as far as music goes. So diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a hobby? Do you collect anything? Do, oh, I, no, I don't. I don't. Well, you know what? Yes, I do. Oh my Uh-oh. gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I can't wait. Wine. Oh. <laughs> and I don't collect, I don't collect wine to save. I um I have my budget and I have my wines that I like to buy and so I uh, go around and get what we call in our house OPW other people's wine right and uh, we enjoy a glass of other people's wine on occasion and so I like to have a little stash and uh, yeah other than that. <laughs> I can't think, I just, like I said, my house is very low key. There's not a lot of things around. Do you play a sport? Do you knit? Do you, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Any hobbies? You know, uh, other than driving the boat. Driving the, right, (laughs) other than the boat. We actually have a uh, place up in Truckee. So up in the mountains. So my hobby, if it were, is just hiking around all the trails up there. We have some beautiful, uh, gorgeous mountain trails. And uh, that's, if I were to call it a hobby. I used to do a lot of bike riding. And uh, I've got to brush off the bike and get it going this summer. But uh, yeah, that's okay. hiking would be my hobby. Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Something that happened maybe in your childhood, something out of the ordinary. Do you speak a second language? I I don't know. (laughs) Is there some secret that a lot of people don't know about (laughs) that you can tell us? Well, one thing comes to mind because it is highly unusual. I used to tap dance. Oh. I love it. And I didn't do it as a child. Okay. I had a friend in college who started her own studio uh, after. So when I came to Sonoma County and started working here, I tap danced. 
and uh, with her in her studio over in Sebastopol. So uh, my friend Dee started this, and I tap danced for a few years, and uh, I still have my tap shoes, hoping maybe one day I'll put them back on. Okay, when was the last time you tap danced? <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could pick it right back up? You know, every once in a while when I'm out walking, I try to do a couple of little tap moves. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's still with me because she was a great teacher. And uh, it really, I think coming to it as an adult was kind of an interesting thing to do. And it, I loved sure. the movement and I loved I love music, so it was a lot of fun. Okay, well, that caught me off guard, so I like it. <laughs> Other than wine... Is there anything else that you like to drink? Oh, well. On occasion? Yes. <laughs> Tell I, us. I am, I, apologies to the beer industry, no beer, but uh, I do love a good uh, vodka martini. Yep. Up with three olives. Okay. Dirty? Yes. A little dirty. <laughs> a little dirty. All right. <laughs> Is there a trip that you've taken that you have really fond memories of uh, that you could share? Wow. It is a, I've, I've taken a f very few trips to Europe, but I will say the one that remains is the most recent. Uh, we took a, um, a, a cruise on the Danube in November, cold, yes, but beautiful. And where it was my very first ever boat cruise, and it was with Alma Waterways, and it was uh, starting in Budapest and going to. Um, we went up. We went up through Austria, Austria, and uh, just stopped along the way. And and walking through, we always took the walking tours because you got to go through towns. We went to Salzburg, went to Wachau uh, Valley, and it just was. It was a, an interesting time because it was, even though it was cold and chilly, it was a beautiful time to go through that wine area. I mean, I was, you know, think, do I really want to go to another winery when I'm on vacation? Right. But it was just a wonderful experience. So I have very, very fond memories of all the people we traveled with and uh, all the sites we got to see. Bucket list item. Can you share one or two? For my 60th birthday last year, during the pandemic, we had to cancel my uh, a trip that my husband had to plan for me, which was a wonderful trip to Italy, and uh, it was going to be at a um, at a at a, uh, at a villa, and it was a uh, they grew olives and uh, they did all they made their own wine and things like that. But it was a foodie tour where we'd go walking through villages, and that that definitely is still on my bucket list. The other bucket list item. I would th say, and it's all about vacation, about taking time away, would be um, a road trip and just anywhere in the U.S. I think there's so much to see here in the United States that I haven't seen it all yet. And uh, I would include a stop by Yellowstone. I've been to Yellowstone a couple of times, and uh, I would definitely want to go through once again. But anywhere, just take me anywhere, and uh, you know, I'll have my wine with me, and <laughs> we'll just go. You're good to go. <laughs> If you have friends coming to town, other than your winery, where would you recommend that they visit in Healdsburg? Heal Winery-wise or no, just, just restaurants? Any, anywhere. Anything. Ah. What are three top spots that three you think they spots. can't miss? Oh, my. Okay. Uh, Valette restaurant. I love Valette. For sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see. I'm thinking around Healdsburg. I would say don't miss Nall Winery. I think they're a tiny family winery, uh, second generation. Both are doing a great job with the wines, and uh, 
uh, I just think it's it's wonderful. And let's see, something else. Let me think. There's so, you know what? I hate to say this. There's so much to choose from. I would say you limit it to three, so now I'm like <laughs> tossing all these things out. Um, definitely get out and walk around the town of Hillsburg. I think it's just got so much to offer as far as the plaza. It's one of the yes. few towns with a plaza at its center. And I think you'll find anything along there, you know, Dry Creek Kitchen. I mean, I could think of all the wonderful spots along there, Hillsburg Bar and Grill, uh, spoon bar, you know, I mean, again, you told me only three, but I had <laughs> literally, when you asked me that, my brain froze and I could think of <laughs> so many choices. So many choices. Julie, I'm going to ask you one more wine question. Yes. And then we're going to wrap things up. And this is not a fair question. So I know because wines are like your children. Mm-hmm. You love them all. Yes. But is there one right now that mm-hmm. you think is the hidden tre- treasure in your portfolio? You know, I think, you're, you can chuckle, I think it's our Merlot. I, we have been making the Merlot since the 1990s. It is a state grown. It is, it is one of those wines that when people try them, and whether they're one of our visitors or when I'm out on the road pouring it for uh, a retailer or a restaurateur, um, they're always pleasantly surprised. Um, if I were to name, it, it was if I give you a, how to put it into a nutshell, it's a Cabernet Lover's Merlot, mm-hmm. in that it's this deep and rich, it's got this beautiful structure, I sometimes call it a, the velvety fruit wrapped around that nice velvet, or excuse me, iron fist of the tannins uh, in the middle, but again, it just has that nice velvety fruit kind of flowing over the top, and it's, it's a hidden gem, definitely. Good to know. Okay, we're going to wrap things up now with five quick questions. Oh. They're very, very lighthearted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first question, what's your favorite flower? Dahlia. Okay. If you were a crayon, what color would you be? Magenta. Okay. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? A Ford Edge. What is one of your favorite movies? Princess Bride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's a story there. Yes. (laughs) Last question. What's your favorite holiday? Wow. Uh, I would say Christmas. Okay. Christmas. Julie, so much fun to be with you today. Thank you so much for the fabulous conversation. Uh, Well, thank you, Michelle. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.